0: Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to why there's no need to relive the trauma all over again, which PTSD treatments can make things worse, and why. My father murdered my mother right in front of me and my brother. This is what I was hearing from a client – And she said, the police came and took my dad away. And eventually he was put in a secure psychiatric hospital. After that, me and John, who was her brother, went to live with our grandparents. And that's when the real trouble started. June related all these awful memories from her remote past without any noticeable sign of being upset by them. Her voice was calm and she was just telling me the facts. So I said, do you get flashbacks to the murder? And do you get nightmares, which seem to relate to that time? And she said, no, I don't. I know it seems really weird, but I really feel like I came to terms with all that a long time ago. So June was 48 years old when she came to see me. And she'd never talked about her past and had never had any therapy except for some psychoanalytical stuff, as she put it. Uh, and she described that as being worse than useless. So I said, well, what do you mean, June? June when you said that the real trouble started when you went to live with your grandparents. Well, and, and, and she told me that they, they used to beat her. They used to beat us, she said. They beat me and John for anything that we did. And I think they really enjoyed beating us. They were sadists. But that wasn't the worst of it. When talking makes things worse. And I was really watching June's face as she was talking and I saw it happen. An invisible, sharp wind whipped across, for the merest moment, the otherwise placid surface of a glass-like, calm lake. The burning flicker of pure fear, brief but unmistakable, and it reached her eyes, her mouth, and each and every muscle of her face. And I was quite startled by that sudden spike of fear that I could see so clearly. And she said, when I was 12, my uncle also came to live with us. That's when, and then she paused, and now she seemed to be struggling to find words. And I felt it was important she didn't tell me too much too soon, but gradually she revealed the bare facts. Her uncle had been a car mechanic and worked on cars in a field at the back of the house that the grandparents owned, and he would wake her up at night, throughout the night sometimes, drag her down into his makeshift mechanic garage and brutally rape her. And he did this hundreds of times, and this went on till she was 18, when at last she fled this twisted travesty of a family, never to return. And the uncle had never been arrested. June told me she didn't care what had happened to him, she just wanted to feel safe again. And now, 30 years later, she was working two jobs in a a relationship she didn't feel was right for her, running for two hours a day to get rid of the anxiety, as she put it, waking up every few hours through the night often with a scream on her lips because she used to be woken up by the uncle. On top of all that, even just the smell of engine oil would bring on a terrifying flashback of being raped. She said, I don't drive or go anywhere near cars if I can avoid it because of the association to the uncle who'd been a mechanic. June needed help clearly and I knew how to help her and I fully intended to help her. But suppose June had not come to see me, suppose she'd gone elsewhere, what kind of help could she have expected to get? Back into hell. It's long been recognised that people who've been through very traumatic experiences often need help if they're to fully recover. A long-established approach is to get victims to uh, relive their trauma, either by talking it through, or even more cruelly, being hypnotically uh, encouraged to relive it as it happened. So what's wrong with this? Everything. Talking about the trauma, even just trying to put what happened into words, can actually worsen a victim's trauma by reactivating it in the brain and embedding it deeper. Dr. Noreen Tarani, an occupational health and counseling psychologist specializing in post-traumatic stress, explains what happens. And she says if a trauma victim is debriefed in a state of high emotion, the process can increase the arousal to the point of overload, trapping the sensory impressions in the amygdala. See reference one below the video. This is why so-called critical incident debriefing, where disaster survivors are encouraged to talk it out, can itself be a disaster. See reference 2. For the 25% of people, see reference 3, who remain severely traumatized after an event. Getting people to relive their trauma as it happened is not therapy. If reliving a trauma could heal PTSD, the first real flashback would heal them see reference four. Talking it out may be fine for the 75% of people who would anyway not have gone on to develop persistent PTSD after their traumatic experience. But for for the remaining 25%, that's one in four people, it's irresponsible and dangerous to do that. So how can the 25% of people who are likely to develop long-lasting post-traumatic stress disorder get over their trauma? exorcising haunted minds. June had said that even the smells come flooding back. It just needs the smallest reminder. And June's experiences of reliving the nightmarish assaults from her uncle in flashback are typical of people suffering long-term effects of trauma. June could talk about all other kinds of horrors that had happened quite calmly, but as soon as she tried to talk about the rapes, she became acutely upset and struggled to speak, the memories were lodged in a part of the brain beyond language that actually interrupted language. I told her that there was no need for her to give me details. It was bad enough that she had had to live through these experiences the first time around. She didn't need to re- relive them. So the beauty of the rewind technique, the approach I used to help her, is that it's completely non voyeuristic. The therapist doesn't need to know in detail what the trauma was like or even what the trauma was. But what is trauma anyway? How your memories are made. So in the normal course of events, memories are laid down as an immediate impression in the brain, and then organized in a coherent way in the hippocampus, and finally stored in the neocortex in long-term memory. And this process makes a remembered event a narrative memory, something you can talk about, and put a story around something that feels past and eventually fades with time. However, when people are traumatized, this process can get blocked, and the traumatic memory may never get turned into a a narrative memory. So imagine all your worst memories feeling live, feeling as if they're happening now, even if they're things that happened half a lifetime ago. PTSD, the memories that won't fade. This is what happens to PTSD sufferers. The memory doesn't fade with time. It feels absolutely current and impossible to talk about. I once worked with a man who'd been traumatized in World War II. Nearly 60 years later, in the 1990s, he told me about his horrendous experiences, and he said they felt like they happened last week. He could remember them as if they'd just happened. During a traumatic event, a person's emotional response can be so extreme that the memory becomes encoded in the fight-or-flight part of the brain, the amygdala, instead of the hippocampus. And it stays locked in this part of the brain as a survival pattern, ready to reactivate if a similar emergency should arise again. And useful, though it obviously is, this is quite a sloppy process, and the fear pattern can be reactivated by quite incidental elements from the original trauma. For example, a man who was mugged by someone in a red jacket feels awful fear at the sight of red clothing. A war veteran reacts with terror to the sound of fireworks. This is what the brain is trying to keep them safe, but causing its own problems. So for June, the mere smell of engine oil would reactivate the memory of being raped by her mechanic uncle, setting off terrifying flashbacks. As I said, most people who go through a trauma, around 75%, will eventually, after a couple of months, reprocess the memory through the hippocampus to finally be stored into the neocortex as a past event that feels past. They know it was horrendous at the time, but it no longer makes them feel terrified to recall it. The memory fades. But for the other 25%, recalling the memory is itself a horrendous experience. They feel they're right back in the actual time itself. So talking about it for these people will make things worse because the pattern just gets reactivated and embedded deeper. So what does help? An effective trauma treatment must be able to generate both sufficient disassociation and sufficient calm in the sufferer to allow the painful memory to be reprocessed safely and quickly so that it can be moved, so to speak, from the now-focused or flight amygdala to the neocortex, where it will be tanked as a past, no longer threatening event. Unless this happens, the trauma victim could have a whole lifetime of living in the past, and when the past is terrifying, their whole life is affected. Some therapeutic methods are quite effective, though, So let's have a look at some of these methods. First, we've got the resurrected hypnosis and tapping. So a couple of techniques have had some success in treating PTSD. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing, or EMDR, has people recalling a traumatic event while following with their eyes uh, the side-to-side hand movement of the therapist. Sometimes the process is automated with a moving light. And this is clearly a resurrected version of the old uh, watch-swinging hypnotic induction. Its practitioners seem to be at a loss to explain why it's effective. So take a look at reference five. But we can see that by keeping part of the client's attention in the present time, by giving them a the task of following with their rise something that's happening now, while recalling the traumatic memory, their brain has a chance to log the terrifying memory as past, releasing it from the amygdala because they're distracted by something that's actually happening in the present. Another popular approach is emotional freedom technique, or EFT, or tapping. And here the therapists using this technique have come up with all kinds of esoteric explanations as to why it works, including blocked energy channels and and the like. But if we look to recent brain research, rather than ancient Eastern philosophies, we can see that tapping someone while they're recalling a traumatic event will also keep jogging them back to the here and now, giving their brain a chance to retag the terrifying event as distinct from the now, and therefore as past, so they can process it as a narrative memory. When people have uncontrolled flashbacks, they tend to lose contact with the present moment and become totally immersed in the past event. It's a spontaneous hypnotic regression, back to the initial trauma. Tapping or getting them to look from side to side stops that happening. So the amygdala gets a chance to give up the memory to the neocortex, where it can finally be tagged as properly passed and so no longer a threat to the person. Both these methods can be effective, but both run the risk of severe client distress and neither is as thorough, comfortable or effective as the rewind technique. They don't tend to use deep relaxation. Further, if you don't fully understand the principles of what you're doing, and you're relying on a formula, you'll tend to be less adaptive and responsive to the unique needs of your client in the moment. So what is this famous rewind technique and why do I think all therapists need to know how to use it? Be kind, rewind. So the origins of rewind lie in Dr. Milton Erickson's crystal ball technique. And Erickson would hypnotize, traumatized clients and have them review their traumatic time in a crystal ball over there, disassociated, whilst feeling calm. If the memory is recalled in a state of calm, even once, this can be enough to decondition the trauma completely. So the principle was further um, developed by Richard Bandler and John Grinder of NLP fame, Neurolinguistic Programming, and clumsily titled the Visual Kinesthetic Disassociation Technique, or VKD. Dr. David Must developed the technique so that it could be effectively used in the treatment of post- Traumatic Stress Disorder, and he called it the Rewind Technique, see Reference 6. Further refined and promoted widely in recent years by the Human Givens Institute, see Reference 7, the Rewind Technique is now a highly effective method of giving uh, trauma, a traumatized client an opportunity to review their memories from an entirely disassociated, relaxed perspective. The traumatic event is experienced in reverse. This is such an unusual way of processing the memory that it has the effect of taking out the fear element. Nobody has a fear of things that happen in reverse. Using this method should be almost entirely comfortable for the clients. And often they say that it's a a relaxing process. It's not about dragging clients back through pain, which is unethical. I myself have used it for survivors of torture, car and train crashes, attempted murder, and of course, rape. It's also effective for the treatment of many phobias. See reference 8. And I I used uh, the Rewind on myself years ago to overcome a fear of public speaking. But what about June? Well, I think it's easy to think when you hear June's story, oh, how awful for her. Of course, you know, that's what we think. But try to imagine the reality for a moment of being terrorised day and night by your own mind for years, for decades. Picture trying to act normally, Day after day while feeling your life could be ripped from you any second. That's the reality of strong PTSD. And there's nothing theoretical or abstract about PTSD when you're the one living the nightmare. So typically people who've had rewind therapy just afterwards say things like, um, that memory feels quite distant now or it's like it doesn't matter anymore. So I worked with June using the rewind for her worst memories of rape in the very first session. And although she'd been raped hundreds of times, we found that once the worst dozen or so memories had been de-traumatized, there was a kind of snowball effect, and her brain learned the new pattern, and all the trauma seemed to go. There were no more flashbacks. And then something weird happened, weird for June anyway, a new life. So as June recovered, she started regularly sleeping through the night again, something she couldn't ever remember doing, in fact. And she went on a training course and got uh, a new, more rewarding job. She ended the unsatisfactory relationship and she found uh, a new man that she could love and be loved by. The flashbacks stopped completely. So when she smelt engine oil or saw cars or was around a garage, there was nothing, it was fine. And as her body started to free itself of the excess stress, She started to look younger, in fact. And I'm here to be alive, not just survive, she told me one day. And she's such a decent, brave, kind person. It was an honor to help her. And near the end of our sessions, she made an announcement. And this was an absolutely amazing turn of events, confronting demons. She told me there's going to be a family wedding, and my uncle is going to be there, and I want to go. That really surprised me. But even though he's nearly 80 now, I still feel that somehow he might have power over me, she said, and that it could all happen again somehow. So this would be a real test. She hadn't seen this man in over 30 years, her former rapist. We hypnotically rehearsed her feeling relaxed and calm during the upcoming wedding. And the next and last time I saw her, she told me that the wedding had gone really well. Her uncle had been there, as expected, but his presence had had no effect on her whatsoever. And she said, he was just so small and insignificant, just nothing to me, just part of a forgotten life that I'd lived centuries ago. It's time for me to live properly now and not in the past. And she is doing just that. She didn't want to report him. She just wanted to leave it behind. So if you treat trauma, and if not, why not, I urge you to avoid any method that rely, uh, relies on getting your client just to relive the trauma as it happened. Your traumatized client has had enough pain in their life. They don't need any more, uh, the, you know, from, from you in therapy. It's appalling to me that there are still therapists, counselors and doctors out there who don't know how to use the rewind technique or how to effectively treat trauma. Millions of people are suffering needlessly, and this needs to stop. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Turrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog, that's unk.com slash blog. <music>